You are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're officially two weeks away from the NFL draft. And here on the Locked On NFL podcast, we'll have you covered every step of the way, including... Today, Justin Fields threw for Kyle Shanahan, his second quote-unquote pro day throwing session. And we're going to get into that smoke around the number three pick. I'm Jake Lisko, along with Ryan Tracy. This episode of the Locked On NFL podcast is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Before we get to the Justin Fields Pro Day and speculate about that number three draft pick, before we talk about the OTA outline that the NFL issued today, a few news topics that we should start the show with, Ryan, and unfortunately, they both have to do with legal matters. Aaron Donald is going to have charges filed against him, apparently, after a Pittsburgh altercation with DeVincent Spriggs, who needed 16 stitches suffered a broken orbital bone, a broken nose, a concussion, and a sprained or broken arm. Supposedly, this came when Aaron Donald became aggressive towards Spriggs around 3 a.m. on Sunday. This is coming out of Aaron Donald's non-LA residence because, of course, he, he went to Pitt and still has a home there. And obviously, we have no idea how this is going to play out, but... Not good news for the NFL's premier defensive star. No, it can't be. And I'm, uh, you know, it doesn't matter if you're in the, I don't know, East Coast, Midwest. I don't know what you call Pennsylvania. Pennsylvanians, let us know in the comments uh, or the iTunes reviews because I'm not sure what to call it. But it doesn't matter if you're there or you're in L.A. where it's obviously more commonplace. Nothing good, like Mama used to say, nothing good happens after midnight. 3 a.m. in a bar with Aaron Donald. Don't pop off. That's all I'm going to say. Because at this point, you have to consider there's probably alcohol involved. There's probably all these things that are going on. It doesn't seem like an environment for somebody who is at the top of his career, the top of of what is going to be a a really intricate season, I think, coming up. Don't push buttons. I I think it's unfortunate, but I think there's also uh, ways to avoid situations like this. And of course, as information becomes public, we'll find out more about what actually happened in Pittsburgh For now, we've got allegations and we've got Pittsburgh attorney Todd Hollis saying that he intends to file criminal charges against Donald for the assault. So we'll see what happens there. We've also got an update on the Deshaun Watson case. 20 women have attached their name in response to a judge mandating that they do so in the suits against Deshaun Watson. One woman dropped her case. Deshaun Watson's attorney made the argument that the anonymity of the accusers was being used as a weapon rather than as a defense mechanism for the accusers. And they just went ahead and put their name on the charges. So it sounds like that will continue in Texas as Tony Busby's clients have met the judge's demands. I I think it lends a little bit of credibility to it, right? I mean, on one side, if you are Deshaun Watson camp, you want to have the right to understand where these allegations are coming from and identify that person or persons, right? 
And on the other side, you want to be able to say, this is legitimate. This is a real person. There's been a lot of speculation about where some of these have come from. And now I think this puts a sense of legitimacy on top of these allegations that maybe takes this to a different level or a different perspective. This is going to be a case that goes on for quite a bit. And I'm really interested to see if this turns the tide or we see more information come out now that there are names attached to these allegations. I just hope everything stays clean. You know that the pursuit of truth, very important. Finding out exactly what happened, very important. Letting the legal system run its course, very important. I don't love that this has become such a battle of public opinion. I think there's a little bit of this coming from both attorneys, a little bit of of trying to make this a trial of public opinion rather than letting the courts do their thing. And for me... You know, I just hope that that we get to the truth and it gets figured out from a football perspective, though, reinforces everything we thought a few weeks ago when we talked about this, when Lindsey Jones for The Athletic wrote a whole article up on what the NFL was going to do, what the disciplinary options were for Roger Goodell and the NFLPA who worked together. And you might see some of the same investigatory methods applied to the Aaron Donald case while they work through what happened in Pittsburgh. It's no longer, as we mentioned previously, Roger Goodell as judge, jury, and executioner. There is the newly established as of March, 2020 disciplinary officer jointly approved by the NFL and NFLPA will likely get involved in both of these cases. So nothing in terms of action from the NFL, nothing in terms of action or, or decisions from the legal process in either case, but a new development with Aaron Donald and a new development with Deshaun Watson. And from a football perspective, both teams, the Texans and the Rams, will need to figure out what they're going to do and make contingency plans. And for the players, you hope that the truth comes out and justice has its day. Coming up next, we get back to football, Ryan. Kyle Shanahan and a 49ers contingent was out to watch Justin Fields work out today. They'll see Trey Lance as well. Is it going to be Mac Jones or one of those two guys at three? We get into that conversation coming up next. The chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics versus us do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing their prices based on whims like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. The RockAuto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend twice the money for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com now to see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Get all the sports news you need in less time on Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. It's time, finally, to get to draft talk because uh, two weeks out, I'm starting to get a little bit twitchy. been doing a lot of work on this class, and I'm pretty excited about this. But this is kind of one more wrinkle in what is a very strange year and a very strange process for this draft preamble. 
in um, multiple players, and, and today obviously was Justin Fields doing multiple workouts for teams almost catering to your target audience, right? And clearly the 49ers having made this big jump to get up to number three that actually happened at the pro day of another quarterback in that timing I find interesting. It sets up this to be, are the Niners there just to see Justin Fields? Are they comparing him directly to the guy that they saw last time? We'll talk about him in a little bit, but uh, clearly they have to do all of their business because it seems that one and two are foregone conclusions. Do you still agree with that? I do. And I don't know that they should be, but that certainly seems to be the way those teams are going, picking one and two. For me personally, I believe, without having done intensive work on quarterbacks this year at this point, that at this point in my process, Justin Fields should be the second quarterback picked. I think there's a good argument for Trey Lance. I think that the the Trey Lance-Zach Wilson debate is really interesting with both of them playing a lower quality of competition than some of the other guys that you could talk about, even in the case of Mac Jones, who I think clearly has a little bit less physical talent than some of these other guys, performed at a very high level and given a pretty friendly offense. And Steve Sarkeesian down in Alabama just had defenses outgapped constantly. But I do think that the first two guys are probably in stone. And I've got to think, that Kyle Shanahan at this point has got to be leaning toward one of the higher upside guys between Trey Lance and Justin Fields. And according to Tom Pelissero, both of these, both of these guys going into their second pro days with throwing sessions for the 49ers are expected to incorporate some Kyle Shanahan staples into their, into their workouts. So I think that's kind of, kind of cool. When you talk about how much these prospects are catering their process at this point to the teams. I think that's another extension of just how unique this particular pre-draft process is. Yes, it's always something you want to perform well for for scouts, for GMs, anybody who shows up in your building, right? But specifically tailoring them. I find that really interesting. And the other thing that I find super, super interesting is how close John Beck is to Kyle and the system. That's important because not only is he the personal QB developer – for Justin Fields, but it just came out this morning as well that he just started working with Trey Lance in addition. I find that super intriguing, and you nailed it on the head. I tend to think that in that third spot, it's not just for Kyle Shanahan to go get somebody that he's comfortable with. I like the upside guys for that offense and what he can do in that offense, particularly when you put the combination of what a running game he's established in San Francisco. I think having a quarterback that can actually break the pocket and do something with his legs is just a force multiplier for Shanahan. Not only that, I think that, yeah, he has great athleticism. Justin Fields, absolutely, 100%. You can see it clearly. He he tested great. You know, you can see him catching up to to Trey Sermon on a long run. You know, that, that clip that's going around that has him sprinting down the field and, and helping to block Sermon into the end zone. He was also the most accurate quarterback in this class, according to Derek Klassen's charting. He, he do, he's done some work for football outsiders, and every year, at least for the last three years, he's gone through and he's charted the top quarterbacks in every draft. And, and he does it in different situations you know who's the most accurate quarterback uh, under pressure who's the most accurate quarterback on play action on rollouts from a clean pocket pff does a lot of the same work and Derek's numbers 
on Justin Fields are just head and shoulders ahead of the rest of the class, even better than Joe Burrow's numbers last year when he came out. And his big strength certainly wasn't arm strength. He was a plus athlete, not an elite athlete, and he was an accurate thrower of the football. That was his thing, accurate on time. He also was really good, if you look at PFF, at avoiding the negative plays, and that is one knock on Justin Fields. But the accuracy, the athleticism, the size, I mean, it just seems like a coach's dream just to have that ball of clay. And and what, what's going to make it really challenging when we look back at this in retrospect in a few years, Ryan, is where these guys land, the situation they end up in, whoever lands with Kyle Shanahan has a huge leg up. Maybe not necessarily depending on where some of these other guys go, but if you go to Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco or you go to Detroit, if somebody falls to seven and Detroit decides, oh, we'll draft a quarterback here, who do you think has a better situation there? I mean, maybe we don't know about Detroit yet, but I would venture to guess that it's the one with Kyle Shanahan. I think between those two franchises, when you close your eyes, you can see one as a, a an upward spiral for a quarterback and the other one talking about biting ankles or something like that. I think it's it, it's difficult to imagine the two things being on an even playing field. But that said, it's not just about the development, right? It's about the match for what the skill set is, not just to the Shanahan offense, but to the modern game. And I think it's it's difficult today to see the classic in the pocket passer, be as dynamic and successful, particularly early in their career, as guys that have the movement skills to bail themselves out of trouble sometimes. And I think that that also applies to Trey Lance. And I wanted to make sure that I got that in there because I think he's a guy that's been forgotten because of of where he played and what's been going on the last year. But especially with quality developmental coaching from a guy like John Beck, I can see him being in the mix as well. I can absolutely see it from a traits perspective, but how are NFL teams going to view a guy who's thrown a total of 318 passes in college? We know that NFL teams kind of shy away from the one-year starters. Kyler Murray, a big exception to that rule, but historically NFL teams have seen these one-year guys, these quote-unquote one-year wonders come into the NFL and, and bust at a high rate. And are they going to look at Trey Lance that way? Is he going to get, because I think he's a little bit different, right? Where he would be effectively a sophomore, I I guess, with the amount of snaps he's played. I mean, he would have qualified for a redshirt if he wanted to. At worst, he's a junior, right? Three years of college experience. It's not like he's a a fifth-year senior who, at 23 years old, finally got his shot to start and was producing at a high level, right? This is a, a traits guy in every way, but the quality of competition concerns and the track record concerns, I feel like, especially for some of the old school NFL teams, that that's going to be a non-starter for them. And so that does make him a very, very intriguing prospect. Yeah, I have to agree, especially the the quote unquote old school franchises, I think are a bit behind the curve in this year, in this lack of film, lack of stats, like you said, only 300 attempts. That's difficult to recover from. But I think forward thinking teams, like I, I think the duo of Shanahan and Lynch have proven to be aggressive and thinking ahead of the curve. I feel like that kind of throws out some of those older perspectives out. And they're now looking at film only projection in their system specifically and kind of letting some of that fall aside because I think honestly the entire league values picks in this particular draft as well as next draft as not 
on par with, say, last year's picks or the 2023 class just because of the volume of information they don't have. Going to be very interesting to say the least. By the way, he also rushed for 1,100 yards in his one full season of play to go along with the passing production. So don't forget about his athleticism. Not that you would, like like we've talked about, elite traits with Trey Lance. But I'm, I'm looking through the teams he played in 2019, and I'm trying to identify what any of them are. I mean, Southern Illinois, I recognize that one. <laughs> Illinois State. They beat nine to three uh, in in the FCS championship quarterfinals. I, I recognize University of Northern Iowa, and uh, then there's a bunch of schools on here that I'm I'm not actually sure who they are. So Mostert, I didn't know they had a football team. Gotta be <laughs> honest. Uh, so I think that that will be an issue for NFL teams certainly. But again, you know, he he's got all the the traits that you look for. He's got the size that you look for. But I still think it's Justin Fields at three. Do, if you had to put money down, who do you think is a pick at three right now? I would lean in your direction at Fields. I think Lance would be my second. I think Mac Jones is probably the third of my options there because I think Mac Jones represents what you can they, – they're not the same guy. Nobody is, obviously, being younger. But I, I think that Kyle Shanahan's ready to go away from what he sees as a statuesque type pocket passer that he has to scheme around. We're just two weeks away from finding out. We'll find out at the 49ers and this Mac Jones smokescreen is, is one of the more successful smokescreens of all time because in Dame Brugler's mock draft for the Athletic, he did a seven-round mock draft on Wednesday, Ryan. He still has Mac Jones at three. And Dame Brugler does a lot of work and is, is not a guy that's just you know doing stuff for the clicks and the shock value. He truly believes that, that what the 49ers have put out there is going to come to pass. I wish he hadn't told me that. I trust Dane. I read all of his work, and you all should as well. So um, I'm going to stand by where I'm at right now. Who knows? Maybe I'll see something after I watch this pro day. Maybe. Coming up next, the NFL's put out a memo outlining their plans for the offseason program. Meanwhile, all or part of five teams have made a statement that says, we're opting out of OTAs. We'll get into that coming up next. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And Bet Online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Before we get into what NFL fans can expect their teams to be doing this offseason, I just want to let everybody know we're doing the Ultimate Mock Draft 2021. It's a special event featuring analysis from Michael Irvin, Jason LaCanfora, Brian Baldinger, and all of the local experts from all of the Locked On NFL Team podcasts. We've got trades, we've got picks all the way through the first round. And if your team doesn't have a pick in the first round, we've got you covered with their first pick, whether it's in the second or third round. Make sure you subscribe to The Ultimate Mock Draft 2021 presented by Locked On and Odyssey on the new Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. As we get to this offseason program, starting very soon, the Denver Broncos, the Seattle Seahawks, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
have all on Tuesday said we're sitting out of OTAs. They're optional. We don't feel like there's a good risk mitigation plan in place. And COVID is still impacting us, our families, our communities. We're out. Joining them on Wednesday were the Detroit Lions and the New England Patriots, at least some of the New England Patriots, maybe not all of them. But with offseason programs scheduled to begin next week, a lot of teams at this point, players are getting together with the NFLPA and they're saying, hey, we're, we're not in. How does this fit in with the NFL's plan for the OTAs, Ryan? You know, I think it's really interesting because I think this is just the start. It's one thing to kind of what I felt was a an emphasis on vaccination from the league and to have different player groups. And I am assuming maybe incorrectly that these are disparate groups that haven't really been coordinated through the NFLPA, who does represent all players in the league. But maybe that's not the case. Maybe this is a concerted effort. But to have different groups arrive at the same conclusion that, hey, we're just not comfortable at this point. We just played an entire season for you under these conditions, and we'd like to take a a few months to mitigate the risk to our physical well-being, and we're going to choose not to do this. Now, in the CBA, it's not mandatory attendance, so they have the right to do that. I, I feel like there's also a little bit of an edge, people trying to make this more contentious than it is. This is not like boycotting, holding out, you know, missing anything scheduled. So I think it's it's not done, but I do think this is going to come to a little bit of a boil here in a bit. It'll be interesting to see how workout bonuses are affected. I think that's probably the most contentious point here is are players with workout bonuses going to lose their workout bonuses because they're not willing to participate in in-person activities? And Brian McCarthy, the NFL PR guy, tweeted out the memo about what the NFL's proposal for the offseason program will be. It'll be nine weeks in length. The first phase runs from April 19th to May 14th. And this is what's allowed. You're allowed virtual meetings, two hours per day at the club's direction, no on-field drills or work with coaches. And there are capacity limits that will remain in place for the entire facility and facility weight rooms. And clubs will have to make an effort to have the vaccine available for players, staff, and families during the first phase of the program. So just like you're saying, Ryan, an emphasis on vaccination. The second phase, still virtual meetings, but starting May 17th to May 21st, on-field drills with coaches per CBA rules, no contact, and a teaching pace for these drills. That's really nice to hear. Um, I can't think of one coach I've ever spoken to who understands what a teaching pace is. You're going to get out there and you're going to do what you need to do. I, I think that's a stretch. I think at that point, although I do give them credit, like the first four weeks, right? Virtual only. Um, the fact that they're talking about limits within the, the weight room, I would think if you're doing virtual meetings and you're not doing on field, I would think that some kind of change could be made to to work out at home as well. Strength coaches are able to write things down or put things on iPads. You know, that's perfectly capable. Uh, I think there could be some kind of uh, conclusion here where they meet in the middle and maybe what we see in, in first phase actually carries through a little bit deeper. Yeah. In the third phase, which will be coming later in May, May 24 to June 18th, traditional OTAs, full speed, no contact, 10 days. And this is what has been opted out of, I believe. And we'll see if we'll see if that sticks up or or if vaccines become available and the NFL figures out a, a plan that makes players more comfortable in person or virtual meetings. It'll be interesting to see what teams decide to do here. Maybe that 
there will be some teams that decide we're comfortable doing virtual and others that are going to want to be in, in the classroom or in the meeting room. And this also includes mandatory mini camp. And by that point, by the mini camp, you, you hope that the NFL has it figured out because if they don't at that point and players are still uncomfortable, that's where you really are going to have some problems. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's where it comes down to, again, like we talked about in the draft segment, there are, I think, less emphasis, less value here because you're going to have another rookie class that is not going to have a standard offseason. Whether this comes through and teams elect to attend or not, this is still not the normal process, right? So you're having a diminished, I think, impact of your rookie class. I think that has some teams concerned. I think they're trying to make it um, seem more all-encompassing by offering um, some vaccine to uh, – whether they're scheduling it or, or however they're doing it, to get families involved and, and try to make it as, as comfortable for the players and their families as possible, which I think is um, a low-key aspect of vaccination that for the league has to keep in mind because I think that's really what drives a lot of the players. But for me, the, the interesting thing here is going to be you can opt out all you want. How many teams are actually going to try to do their 10-day, is it, uh, full speed, no contact, actual OTAs? I think we might find that there are teams that don't plan to do that in the first place. That will be very interesting. While you talked about the rookies there and the impact on this draft class, there is a note specifically for rookies. There's not going to be any change this year to the rookie football development program or post draft rookie mini camp. So I expect that those will remain virtual, I guess, from a timing perspective coming in early May, that's still in the first phase of the OTA mm -hmm. period or, or the off season period for veteran players so i expect that that probably remains virtual there's also a note in here about covid protocols and and daily testing staff vaccination protocols other regular season protocols in place such as distancing and masks and the last note here is that the nfl is incentivizing players and i think coaches are actually required to get vaccinated as tier one staff but players certainly to be vaccinated because once clubs reach a certain rate of vaccination, they're talking about relaxing restrictions that apply to meal times, meetings, use of locker rooms, etc. So some carrot tactics instead of stick <laughs> tactics from the NFL here to, to try to get compliance with vaccination rates and, and trying to keep players safe and inoculated. And I think that part is good because at the end of the day, the safer you make them now as a subset of, of their community in whatever city they're in, the safer the organization is and the safer that community is. And that allows them to reach a, a more normal season. I, I think sacrifices, uh, continued sacrificing, that is, in normality for the OTA session gives you another step towards normality in the regular season. I think that's got to remain the focus. I think at the end of the day, what it comes down to is I think it's the Bills lead the league at 28 players that have workout bonuses. The Chiefs are second at 25. There's some significant dollars built into those. And I think at the end of the day, that's going to play into it. And I think a decision on whether that's going to be paid out, whether it's virtual or not, is most likely going to play a big factor in this. Certainly seems to be some vagaries around what players will qualify for bonuses and what players will not with what's going on with the offseason program. But we'll have to wait and see how things develop. I feel like I've been saying that a lot in the last year with all of the uncertainty around COVID. But 
As Pro Football Talk points out, the NFL starting down the path the NBA went down, not making vaccines mandatory, but encouraging them and offering incentives for teams that reach certain percentage marks of getting players and staff vaccinated. That's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. We didn't get to talk about Jadavion Clowney. He landed in Cleveland. Chris and Q have you covered tomorrow for Friday's episode of the show. Until next Thursday, for Ryan Tracy, I'm Jake Lisko. Thanks for listening and have a good one.